0: Okay, we have it in reverse. Mark twelve thirty. good and strong, ready, go. Jesus said the most important commandment is love, love the Lord your God with all, all your, your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no administrator than you. And so normally we'd end on part eight, which is last week, you can see the sermons up here. We got God first, put them up there, please. There we go, right? There they are. The first four were about putting God first, then take care of yourself. We talked about my priorities, and then we did marriage. And normally we end on eight, but um, I wanted to make it real easy because I feel like I was really, really, really tough on you guys. And normally we do a lot of theology, and there's a lot of conviction. Today's going to be an incredibly easy sermon. You can relax. There's going to be nothing awkward talked about. It's going to be very easy to receive. So in part nine, I want to talk to you about time management. Time management. You know, time is the greatest commodity we could possibly have. Uh, and I hope that you see your life and your destiny and your time as, as valuable as it really, really is. When you see your time as valuable, you invest it rather than waste it. You know, you don't stay up all night playing Xbox You know, you're not lazy, you you don't hang out with the wrong people, and you don't spend time gossiping and negative, when you realize that every single day is very, very important to your destiny. Um, I was reading about this billionaire with a B, and um, he spent 20 years working day and night to to collect all of his billions, his money. His goal was to be a millionaire, but that happened so quick for him, he decided his goal was going to be a billionaire. So he worked, worked, neglected his family, worked, worked, worked. Finally, when he hit a billion dollars... He, at that time in his life, he contracted some sort of disease that was fatal. And he spent months traveling all over the world trying to find a cure and some way to be healed. He even tried all this new age stuff to no avail. Towards the last few weeks of his life, he said, and I'll quote I would give away every single dollar I ever made to spend one more day with my son. Because time is so much more valuable than money. The message translation of 2 Corinthians 6 says, Please don't squander. One bit of this marvelous life God has given us. Squander means to waste something in a reckless and foolish manner. Do you know how many people just wake up with no plan? They just go through the motions of life. They go to work, they eat, they sleep, and they do it all over again. And if you really talk to them, if you really like get in their mind, they have this hope that they're going to end up where they want to be. That it's just gonna magically happen if they just keep taking up space and just keep sleeping, eating and doing the same thing that somehow they're gonna, their dreams are gonna come true. And somehow they're gonna miraculously have a great marriage and, and they're gonna they're gonna have be, you know, have great relationships with their children. Just it's just gonna automatically happen. That's not how life works. That's not how life works at all. Um, if you've ever been out um, on the beach and you 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 sit your beach towel down, you know, you take off your sandals and you think, I'm gonna go out in the ocean for a minute, and you walk straight out into the ocean. I mean straight. And you're just kind of floating around for a few minutes. Saying, okay, I'm going to go back to my towel. And you look, and the current has taken you 100 yards from where Has that ever happened to you? 100 yards from where you started. That's what life is like without time management. That's what life is like when you just kind of go through the motions, like somehow you're going to end up where you want to be. The focus I want you to think about for the next 20 minutes is this. Success is not accidental. Success is intentional. You're not going to accidentally fulfill the dreams that God's put inside of your heart. Knowing the dream, knowing what God wants you to do isn't enough to make it happen. You're not going to accidentally have an incredible marriage. You have to set aside time every single day to work on that. Uh, you're not going to accidentally, you know, have a great business or accidentally, you know, f- d- d- do whatever it is going on. It's all intentional. And so you have to decide, I have a certain amount of time each day. Am I spending it on what matters or am I wasting it on things that have nothing to do with my God-given destiny? Now, there's three things in the Bible um, that talk about money and they all happen to start with the same letter. Which means that God loves me so much more than he loves y'all. Okay, so number one, just kidding. Number one for your notes is this, prudent. Prudent. Uh, Proverbs eight twelve says this, I wisdom dwell with prudence. Anytime you see the word prudence, it's usually in a book about finances, teaching you how to you know, balance your book, your checkbook and teaching you how to budget your money and that kind of thing. So I want you to think about this. Imagine that I gave every one of you today, each one of you individually, a briefcase with $86,400 in it. And so, okay, this is a gift from me to you. You can spend this any way you want to. Whatever you want to do with it, you can do with it. But here's the catch. Whatever you don't spend in that briefcase, by the end of the day, you have to give it back to me and it's mine. Do you know how purposeful you would be? you know how disciplined you would be? You would want every dollar to count. You wouldn't want to waste any bit of it. Here's why. Because you see that as a very valuable gift, right? Okay, today God gave you 86,400 seconds. You can spend it any way you want to, but here's the key. At the end of the day, you never get it back. You cannot go back in time. You cannot redo it. How you spend those 86,400 seconds will determine what your future is going to be like. This is why we have to evaluate every season of our life who we're spending our time with. You know, because seasons change. Sometimes it was okay to spend time with this person. Now you might need to change circles, right? Evaluate uh, where you're spending your time, what you're doing. Maybe at one time you could, you know, watch TV until midnight, but now you can. not Now you're married, you got kids. Things change in life, okay? When we spend our time, we're actually spending our destiny. And I hope that you see your destiny is the most valuable thing on planet Earth. you got to make sure you get a good return, just like if it were money. Okay, um, Amos 5.13 says, He who is prudent keeps silent around people who won't listen to truth. Proverbs 12.16 says, A prudent man ignores a fool. The biblical definition of a fool is someone who does not want to change. Here's what these scriptures mean is, it is a waste of time for you to try to invest your life into someone who doesn't want to change. Who does not want to hear the truth, who has no humility. It's easy to point these people out, and here's some ways. Uh, number one is they're always making excuses for everything. It's never their fault, it is always someone else's fault. In fact, a lot of times they blame it on you. If you had been there for them, if you would just answer the phone, if you would just give them what they need, somehow it's your fault. Uh, these people, they rarely ever serve in church. I mean, you can beg, you can plead, you can call, please, and they just won't serve. They won't serve. It's like they're too selfish. They're too self-centered. Another way you can tell these fools is because um, they love drama. I mean, drama follows them everywhere. And they'll tell you about the drama and say, I hate all this drama. They actually love it. They love it because it follows them. And the reason they love it is because people bring them all their problems. They think, oh, they're coming to me because they think I'm wise. They're coming to me because they want my help. and so what makes them feel good. And so they let all this drama come into their life. But the truth is, those people aren't coming to you because you're wise. They're coming to you because you're the only person that will put up with all that junk. You're the only person that won't hang up on them. You're the only person that won't tell them, hey, you need to get a job or you need to start being better to your spouse. You need to go to church. You just listen to it all. You are wasting those seconds of your life and you'll never get it back. Then you think, John Paul, you're being rude. That's just not a very Christian way to act. Okay, you spend the next 20 years pouring into them and let's see how you feel and what has changed in their life 20 years from now. Or you could take that time and invest it in the people that do matter like your spouse, your kids, the friends that God has put in your life, people who actually are humble enough and do want to grow and do want to change. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament where David was uh, walking down a street and this man started cursing at him and calling him names. It'd be similar to somebody you know, talking bad about you on Facebook or you know, they're judging you without hearing your heart or whatever it is. His name was, the guy's name was Shimmy. Y'all remember Shimmy, Shimmy, Cocoa Pop, Shimmy, Shimmy? What movie was that from, you remember? No one in the first service got it either. Big. big. Who said big? 2,000 points. And so <laughs> the movie Big. And so in Second, second Samuel 16, six it says, 2 second, second Samuel 16, 6, shimmy shouted insults. This is my Sean Connery version, by the way. Shimmy shouted insults and began throwing small stones. By the way, James Bond is the greatest. I mean, uh, uh, who am I doing an impression of? Sean Connery. <laughs> who did I say, Charlton Heston? Sean Connery is the best James Bond who ever lived, by the way. Amen? Okay. Okay. Shimmy shouted insults and began throwing. It's just fun to do. It's just fun to do. Don't, don't tell me y'all don't ever read the Bible in other voices. You know y'all do that. I'm going to keep messing up, so I have to keep starting it over again shimmy shouting and began throwing small stones at David even though he was surrounded by his bodyguards. Okay, so this guy's talking about David, throwing rocks at him, and, um, and the way David's friends, his close friends, the ones that do matter, responded is the way I want you to respond if you want to be my friend. Okay, it's totally up to you, but if you want to be my friend, here's how I want you to respond when I tell you that somebody's been mean to me. Okay, verse nine, your majesty, let me go cut off his head. That's the kind of loyalty I expect from (laughs) y'all. Let me go shoot him in the kneecap one time. Here's what David said in verse 12. Let him curse me all he wants. God will hear and give me some blessings in exchange. Here's what he's saying. I can't afford to expend energy on somebody who has nothing to do with my destiny. I just can't afford to do it. Now, I can try to force them to love me and force them to hear my heart and force them on me. But I could be using that energy on the people that do matter that are a part of my destiny. Um, I told you a few weeks, ago, remember that big pastors, leaders conference that I was asked to speak at, and I I practiced the sermon on y'all. This bishop called me up, and and, and all these churches from all over these states coming to Myrtle Beach, huge, huge event, and um, they sent out flyers, you know, and and I was the main speaker, and, um, and you know, the sermon was going to be pastor's priorities, like I I preached to you guys, and um, I actually have a video of my time during the conference. Would you like to see the video? I know you would. Here's the video. So about seven days before the conference, I looked at my phone and realized that my portion of the conference was the exact same hour as my daughter's 13th birthday. So I had to call up this bishop and I said, listen, I'm going to start by saying I'm really embarrassed and I am so sorry to do this to you. But I just realized my daughter's 13th birthday party is the exact same time as when you asked me to speak. Now, if the roles would have been reversed, I would have said, are you kidding me? I spent all this money on all these plans. Here's what the guy said to me. He said, Pastor John Paul, I am so proud of you. We got you covered. It's no big deal at all. That's the kind of people you want in your life, who know how important family is, who know how important your priorities are. And I thought about it. If I went and spoke there a year from now, nobody would have ever remembered anything I ever said, right? But every year for the rest of my daughter's life, (laughs) she would have remembered if her dad was not at her 13th birthday. You know, we're living in the good old days right now. These are the good old days. You know, we think they passed. No, today's a good old day. Twenty years from now, you're going to look back and say, remember when Pastor John Paul had a full head of hair? And now the lights are glowing off of his scalp, you know, blinding me. Remember, remember when Bob and Cindy used to greet us at the door every week for church? Now they ain't got no teeth. They're in wheelchairs. We're pushing them around everywhere. Remember when Derek had 35 children that first year at the new school? Now him and Haley have 35 children of their own. (laughs) These are the good old days. Titus 3.14, let us spend our time well so we don't end up with nothing to show for our lives. You know, Satan can ruin today in your life. He's ruined a very, very valuable piece of your destiny. Point number two for your notes is this purposeful Ephesians 5.16, live purposefully and accurately as wise people, making the most of every time and opportunity. Don't live vague and thoughtless. In other words, why did God let me wake up this morning? Why am I still here? Am I pursuing the passions that he's put inside of my heart? Am I accomplishing the things that he's wanting me to do? Why am I still breathing oxygen on planet earth? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What does he need me to do with my life? There's something I need to accomplish for him. I was reading a true story about this lady. Uh, She always loved to sing opera her whole life. As a child, she was very, very talented, and, and she was in all the school plays. She'd sing at church. Anyone that would listen. When it was time for her to go to college, this was many, many years ago, her parents told her, said, listen, honey, most girls don't even go to college, but especially don't get a degree in music. You'll never be able to do anything with that. So they convinced her to just get a normal degree, and she did. And after that, she got married. She had kids, grandkids. She seemed to have lived a very long, happy life. But at the age of 91 years old, true story, her her husband passed away, and her family had to put her in a nursing home because she was suffering from dementia, didn't know who she was half the time, didn't know where she was half the time. All of a sudden, at 91 years old, in the nursing home, she's in the commons area with everybody, out of the blue... She sat up from her seat and she started to sing the most beautiful opera you ever heard. People there said she sounded like an angel. She would do this at random times throughout the day, throughout the weeks. She got so famous, the news came in, the media came in. People from the neighboring cities would show up at that nursing home just to see if they could be there when this woman stood up and began to sing. What was that? That was her purpose, buried on the inside. It had been pushed down for almost 90 years, but it was still alive, just waiting to be released. Here's my challenge don't die with the music still inside of you. Don't die without fulfilling the things you know God wants you to do on earth. Now, one way you can help discover your purpose or, or fulfill your purpose is not to ever ask yourself, What do I want to accomplish? You really should ask yourself, Who do I want to become? Because once you become the who, The what is easy. But if you go after the what, you might not have the character and integrity and excellence to accomplish. If you get there, you might lose it. Okay? For instance, um, years ago, if you'd asked me, what do I want to do? I'd say, well, I want to be the pastor of a big church. I don't want that anymore. I don't care if it's big or if it's small. You know who I want to become? I want to become a very healthy man, a very healthy pastor. So I go to counseling every single week. You know, I want to be healthy in my body. So I'm in the gym five days a week. Um, I want to accomplish having a great marriage. It's not going to happen unless who I can become is a great husband. So I make sure I spend time focusing on that, growing in that area. You understand? So you may want to own your own business, but who you need to be to do that? You need to be somebody that spends money wisely. You need to be somebody that honors God financially. You need to be somebody who can be kind to someone when they're being rude back to you. If you're in your own business, you need to learn that beforehand or you'll lose it. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, we can't accomplish the what without first becoming the who. You might want to get married. My dream is to get married, okay? Um, let me ask this. Are the people you're dating marriage material? Are they Christians? Do they serve God? If not, you date who you are. That's the kind of, you date who you are. So maybe you need to stop dating and spend some time with Jesus growing so you can become a person with character up here. So then when God brings somebody in your life, you can have the great marriage that you want to have. You, you understand what I'm saying at all? Let me give you a story to help you. So in the Old Testament, Samuel was told to anoint David to be the next king. In 1 Samuel 16, 12, as soon as David came, the Lord said, he's the one, he's the one. Okay, so David knew the what as a teenager. He knew the, as a teenager, he knew God wants me to be king of Israel. Okay, if God had made him king the next day, he would have lost the throne and lost everything. He had to become the who so he could sustain the what. So he had to spend years being faithful in the wilderness. That means he was excellent with a minimum wage paid job. As if he was the owner of the company, that's how good he treated that job and those animals that he took care of. Then after that, he wanted to get a job in the palace. Well, listen, the palace, they're not hiring people who just want to play the harp. They're not hiring people who uh, can kind of play the harp. In 1 Samuel 16, 18, David played his harp skillfully. In other words, while the other kids were playing, you know, um, Call of Duty, he was practicing his harp every single day. He was, pra- he was using the talent God gave him and spending time on that. After that, he had to learn how to honor a boss who was dishonoring toward him with King Saul. After that, he had to learn how to repent to God when he sinned. Uh, Psalms 51-2, he said, God wash away my iniquity against you If I said, here's the point. He finally became the who and the what was easy. It just took care of itself. He became king. Acts 13 36 says, for David completed God's purpose in his life, and then he died. Isn't that our our dream to accomplish the purpose? And then, in other words, don't die unfulfilled. Another way that I help people um, kind of figure out the purpose of their life, I get them to write out their eulogy. It's a very, very, very healthy thing to do. What do you want said about you when you die? What do you want people to remember you as? For some of y'all, they would say, oh, she died at 84, but boy, was she popular on social media. Man, she had more likes than any other senior citizen out there. Okay, that's what they're gonna say about you if you, maybe they'll say if you die, because that's where you spend your time. And when you spend your time, you're spending your destiny. Maybe they'll say about you, boy, he had so much money. Man, he worked hard and made money. He bought all his kids brand new cars and bought them a house. Do you want them to say that, or do you want them to say he never missed his kid's baseball game? He never missed his daughter's birthday. Because sometimes you can't have both, right? So, your eulogy. I was reading about a guy, his name was Alfred Nobel. And uh, he was a Swedish chemist. He invented dynamite and other very powerful explosives that were used in wars and for very harmful purposes. Well, one day his brother died, but the newspaper thought that Alfred died. So they printed Alfred's obituary in the newspaper rather than his brother's. Imagine opening up the newspaper today and seeing that you died yesterday. And what they said about you. Here's what they said about him. He was described as the man who became rich by enabling others to kill people in mass unprecedented numbers. When he read that about himself, everything changed. He didn't want to be, his heart just sunk that day. So he took every single dollar that he had ever made and he invented the Nobel Peace Prize, which is a prize that gives an award to people who accomplish things that benefit mankind. Proverbs 4.25, keep looking straight with purpose. Ignore all distractions. Um, Sometimes money can be a distraction. Stop worrying about it. Just honor God, get a job, and just live and enjoy your family. Um, dating the wrong people can be a distraction. Um, television, internet, social media, it can all be distractions, all be distractions. There's a a woman named Bonnie Ware, and she was a hospice nurse for about two decades of her life. And so she would take care of people in the last 12 weeks of their life on earth. And she would actually connect with them on a very deep level and have conversations with them. So over the years, she began asking them, what was your greatest regret in life? She wrote a book about it. The number one greatest regret among men right before they died was this. I wish I had not missed out on my children's youth and my wife's companionship. The biggest regret among women was I wish I'd had the confidence to not compare myself to other women and to not live as a people pleaser. The so sad part, they died Knowing that their purpose was unfulfilled, all because of the choices they made or didn't make. They couldn't blame it on anybody else. Point number three for your notes is this. Productive. Productive. Easy stuff. John 15:16. I chose you, I put you in the world to produce much fruit. So here's what I do. Every few months I ask myself, because seasons change in life, is who I'm spending my time on producing fruit? is what I'm spending my time doing producing fruit. Because at some point, uh, there are some seasons when it changes, maybe it used to produce fruit, but it doesn't anymore. And if it doesn't, you have to be bold enough to prune those people or those things back. In other words, at one time in life, maybe you could hang out with the guys three times a week, right? And it it was fun, it was okay, but now you're married, and so you can't really do that. It's okay, times change. Or maybe at one point the kids were small, now they're older. You used to not be able to go on date nights with your spouse. Now you can. Do it. Let Freddy Krueger babysit your kids for all, you know, who cares? Just spend time with your marriage comes before your kids. The point is seasons change. The first two words God ever commanded to mankind are in Genesis 1.28, and he said, be fruitful. He did not say be busy. A lot of people get busyness confused with fruitfulness. They think because they're away from home and they're with people and they're answering the phone and they're helping somebody and they're at church doing this, this, this. They think they're being productive. Really, they're just being busybodies. Um, There was an experiment that was done with these caterpillars called processionary caterpillars. I thought this was so interesting. They're named for blindly following each other without ever knowing where they're going. They just follow the one that's in front of them. So the scientist got about 12 of them and he put them in a circle on the ground, one behind the other. Right. Just to see what would happen. He stood back in utter amazement and watched them hour after hour as they marched around the same circle very slowly, but never stopping. This went on for 24 hours, 48 hours, still going. He knew they had to be tired and hungry, so he got their favorite food, which is pine needles. And he crunched them up and he put them right inside of the circle. He thought for sure now they'll break formation and march toward the food. But instead, for seven days, they continued marching around in a circle, mindlessly following each other until they all died from starvation and exhaustion. Yet all the provision they could ever need was just inches away. You know, a lot of you, you're just so tired in life. You're exhausted. You know, when you get your priorities in order, it energizes you. It does something to you. You feel like you're accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish in life. When there's God first and your marriage and your kids, you're taking care of yourself. You got good friends that God's put in your life. You're doing good at your workplace. And the other things, they're just distractions, just distractions. Um, Hebrews 12, one says, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and run with determination the race that lies before us. You know those caterpillars, they got activity mixed up with productivity. Just cause you're doing something doesn't mean you're being productive. So I told you this easy sermon, short sermon. I wanna close with an illustration. Um, back in 1996, I was asked to play the piano at this um, uh, college graduation, right? It was just filled with all these college graduates. I was a teenager. And the guy spoke on time management. Now, I don't remember anything that he said, but I remember this illustration that he gave. And so he he took out these three large rocks, like so, and he placed them very carefully in the glass container. And then he looked at the audience and he asked them, he said, is this jar full? And everybody said, Some said yes, some said no, but we'll see how smart you are in a second. Okay, so then after that, he said, no, it's not full. He took out a bunch of these little rocks. And he started pouring all these small rocks into the glass container. And now he said, is this jar full? And everybody said, well, some people said yes because they weren't that smart. But anyway, (laughs) then he took out a pile of sand. And he started pouring sand all inside of the jar. And he watched it fill in all the crevices, all the cracks. And then he says, is this jar full? And everybody said, "Well, some people might have said yes, but y'all are really, really smart. You're right, it's not full. Then he took a gallon of water and he poured water all through the jar until it filled up all the way to the top. And then he said, is this jar full? Yeah. No. no, I'm just kidding, it is full. Okay, so... <laughs> And then he asked the audience, he says, what does this illustration tell us? Now, I know you're not going to believe this, but at 16 years old, I was very arrogant. And I had to be seen and I had to be heard. And so I wanted to make sure that all the college graduates in the room knew that I was smarter than all of them as a teenager. So I said, it means no matter how busy you are, there's always room for more. And he pointed at me and he said, wrong. He said, this illustration tells us that if you don't put the large rocks in first, you'll never be able to fit them in at all. So my question is, what are the large rocks in your life? I hope it's God. You only have a certain amount of time. You know that, right? If you don't get the large rocks in, there's not going to be time for them later. You have to put them in first. First, you got God and your family and your health. Right, serving Jesus, your soul needs to be healthy for all the people you're in relationship with. Then you can go to some of the small rocks if there's time left over. Then you can go to some of the sand, and if you have anything left over that you want to maybe throw some seed on some rocky ground, you know, witness to somebody for a little bit who just does not want Jesus at all. But you got to put. Then you can do a little bit of water, but you got to get the large rocks in first. First Corinthians nine twenty six, Paul said, "In my race, I run straight to the goal with purpose." In every step, he was saying, I do not waste time in areas that don't further me in reaching my God given destiny. So we got to be prudent, we got to be purposeful, and we got to be productive. And I'm done. (laughs) That's it. Easy day, right? Easy day. Okay.